This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hi, everybody. This is Tony Stevens, the Director of Advocacy for the American Council of Blind, and I'm very excited to be here with you today for a very special edition of the ACB Advocacy Update. No, I have not come back to the podcast to kick Clark away from his seat, but rather uh, Clark is up at the New York State Council, uh, ACB of New York conference this weekend. So I have been humbly asked by the great Swatha Nandakumar to come and join you all today. So I'm taking back the helm of what I started over three years ago with Claire and I, but very excited to have Swatha with us. Uh, so I will throw it to you, Swatha, for your introduction, as we always do. Yes, a blast from the past, Tony. Um, I am Swatha Nandakumar. I am your advocacy outreach specialist at ACB. And thanks, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. Be sure to subscribe if you're not already subscribed, so you can click that button to get downloads every week when this podcast comes out. The ACB Advocacy Update is brought to you by the American Council of the Blind. We're very thankful for all of our supporters and everybody throughout the way that have really helped to lift up the work for our advocacy. And we're excited that this is also aired on ACB Media For those that maybe are listening live, check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe today. So you make sure you get the next issue or episode issue like this is print. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, uh, welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. This is a special edition because on October 15th, it is International White Cane Day. And this is going to be an interesting year for the white cane, as we will talk about in a few minutes. But with us, we have a special guest all the way from the heartland of our country in the state of South Dakota. We're welcome to have one of our newest board members with ACB and president of the South Dakota Association of the Blind, Connie Sims. Hello, Connie. Hey, Connie. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a great honor to be here and I'm excited to be a board member. And it's um, it's kind of cold here in South Dakota today. It's only gonna be 57 here on the Eastern side of the state. In Western part of the state, we have snow. So, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, well, you're feel free. It's supposed to be 81 here today in Washington, D.C. So feel free to blow some of that cool wind our way because okay. I am uh, I am I am wanting to, to have a rationale to actually get something hot and warm uh, to sip on. Yes, and it's absolutely. hard when it's still in the 80s <laughs> to do that. But hang in there for everybody that's dealing with the cold weather. Hopefully it'll be more fall like here in Washington. But we're excited to have you on today, Connie, not just as one of our new members, but also as a member of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. And on Friday, this will be part of a video series as well that we're gonna be doing on a panel conversation on Friday around the White Cane Day, which is October 15th. And that day, why it's significant for public awareness, but also why is it significant for us personally as people who are blind and visually impaired for us to be out and be seen in our community. So that's going to take part in a special panel at 1 p.m. on Friday the 15th on the ACB YouTube channel and at acb.org slash live. Again, acb.org slash live. You can check out that live event. And that's going to kick off an exciting thing that the Get Up and Get Moving campaign has been doing because we know a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to get out as much during the COVID years and be seen out in public. So we're going to be seen on social media as we get up and get moving for a six-hour dance party. We're every decade from two to eight o'clock on Friday, October 15th. 
is going to be focused to a different genre of music on ACB Media 4. Again, ACB Media 4, where we play our music on like ACB Cafe and, uh, you know, channel uh, airs that content there. So we're excited to be having a dance party for these six hours to really celebrate. And everybody can show us our moves as we show the world that we are out in our community. We're moving in our homes, maybe, maybe not out on the streets as much with the COVID still being a concern. Mm. But nevertheless, we have an opportunity to be seen tomorrow for public awareness because there's so much going on in October in terms of blind equality and blindness awareness and National Disability Employment Awareness Month and all these issues. But today we're here to talk about the white cane. Uh, I'm excited to have uh, Connie on, uh, excited to have Swatha as well. Uh, all three of us have sort of different uses of the white cane, but it is definitely a tool that all of us in conversations prior to us starting this you know, conversation today, you know, we're sort of sharing before we started to record on really what is the importance of the white cane and how we use the white cane. Uh, no matter how you use the white cane, there's no doubt about it. The reason why it is a white cane and why this day is important is for recognition that yes. we, we be seen out in the community, but that people actually know what it is. I can't tell you how many times, I'm sure maybe you both have had it too. A little kid comes up and asks what that stick is. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Parent, you know. What yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's for? yeah, I know they get dragged away from the that's like, like scary, all that. So yeah, and it's it's uh it's it's the kind of thing where we've heard uh, some of the the horror stories for children, like uh, the student that had to use the the teacher took the cane away and gave the kid a pool noodle in his classroom that wouldn't let the student use the cane in the class. Uh, there needs to be better understanding of what the white cane is. Why do we need to respect it as a not just a tool, a very critical tool in navigating and becoming independent for people who are blind, but also just the public awareness that people know what it is, uh, you know, and and that it's it's something that that is a sense a symbol of dignity because it's a symbol of independence for us that we're out in the community and we're moving around freely. So uh, to that end, this is an exciting year. Uh, do you know why, Swatha? It's hundred years of the white cane. Exactly, yes. it's the hundred years of the white cane. Uh, not so much the white cane as we think of seeing it today, but the cane as a tool for people who are blind. Now, you know, you'll go back uh, to biblical days and, and the shepherds. <laughs> and, and I'm sure if I was blind 3000 years ago, I would have probably found a shepherd's cane like everyone else and, mm. you know, kind of used it to, to block me from hitting things. Probably didn't yeah. work too well with olive branches on trees, but Eat nevertheless. So, but as a tool, James Biggs was his name in Bristol. And I'm guessing, I don't know if it was Bristol, England or Bristol, Connecticut. The website didn't really specify. It could be Bristol, England, Bristol, yeah, UK. Like, like England, yeah. Like but he UK. was an artist and he started to think, what can I use as someone who went blind uh, that can help me figure myself out as to where I'm going and to also just be a helpful tool so I'm not falling downstairs and things like that. And that was in 1921. So 100 years of the cane as a tool for mobility. It's obviously gone through a lot of, advancements, you know, it was the lions that really helped uh, bring in together what is today sort of a big day for them as white cane day, but, you know, bring awareness around the white cane and what it meant and making it more uniform in the 1930s. When the vets came back from World War II in the 1940s, it even became more advanced in that it just wasn't a stick for visibility reasons or us literally tapping our way around, but there was actually a method to the madness of the cane. And we started to have the birth of the orientation and mobility movement from all the blinded veterans coming back from World War II. So there's been a lot of advancements for white cane. Um, I'll, I'll ask uh, Swatha and, and Connie as well. 
sort of your own personal experiences. Swatha, we'll start with you. Uh, just in a sense of, of the, the white cane as a tool for you now. Um, what does the cane mean for you now as, as, as an aid, a tool, a symbol? How do you yeah. see the cane now? So I've been, using, I've, been, I've been using a cane since I was 10 for 13 years. So that's how much that's how old I, how old I am. Um, so for me, it's just been a tool for independence, a tool to find my way around places I don't know, and just a way to like to show, like just be a way for me to get out and get get out in the community and figure out things and just find my way around and tell people, that, hey, I'm blind and need help. Like I mean, I mean, I might need help occasionally, but I can mostly do my own. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely it, it has that dual purpose. That yeah, it's 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 to be seen and it, it helps us figure out literally. An extension of our hands, mm, um, yeah. Connie. I know for you, you know, we we sometimes see a person with a white cane, and we automatically assume that person is totally blind. Yes, and they have no way to get around. But but you have some sight. Um, but the cane is still an important tool in, in certain areas. In what way for you is the cane a tool? Because uh, many people in our low vision community also use canes as well, and it's just as valuable. It is, you know, and I don't use a cane every day. I don't use it everywhere I go. Um, cause I do have fairly good, um, low vision sight, but if I'm, um, in an area of town that I'm not familiar with or an intersection that I'm, it's known for bad traffic that cars don't follow, you know, <laughs> stoplights very well. Um, when I used to work in one area of the town, um, a few years ago, I purposely carried a cane with me just for safety reasons so people knew that I had a vision problem even though I I knew how to get around and where I was at and everything but I did it for my safety when I traveled to um, Washington DC a couple of years ago to the leadership conference I used it through the airports to um, get around so people knew that I had low vision or I couldn't see very well I used it at the Capitol to help guide me just because I didn't know um, where I was at, the, you know, a lot of the steps are the same color. So that helps identify for me for safety reason, along with other people, knowing that if I bump into them, then they know that I'm not just bumping into them. But it, so it's kind of a both, a safety reason for me and a safety reason for, for the sighted person. I think that's an important for us to, to, to realize yeah, that it is, you know, particularly in, in regards to the, the visible recognition of it, because <clears throat> I, I there's the running joke around the office that I, I'm a cat that has had many lives <laughs> extended to it. because I've been hit four times by cars in my life. <laughs> and it, it's it's not a humble brag by all in no ways. But you know what? It's 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 distracted drivers is people that don't recognize and you know, two of those times I had a guide dog with me. Um, the other two times I had my cane, but you know, the, the visible recognition and just people need to be aware that we're out there and that we can't see them, particularly yes, with the cars, like you mentioned, Connie, yeah, taking it for traffic. I mean, it is, that is why, you know, each state has its own rules that people take their driver's test. And one of those questions on, you know, the state exams for your driver's license is, what is this thing that's white mean, right? With a red tip on it. Oh, wow. and, and what is that, you know, why is that a, a thing? And what should you do as a driver, you know, to yield for someone who's blind and visually impaired 
And that way you, you know they are that way for sure is if they have the white cane. So it's, it's paramount that, you know, as, as, as people in the community, they know what the white cane is. And it's otherwise you get people like me that I just, I live in big cities where there's always going to be somebody that didn't pay attention when they were 16. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, they're wondering why I flew over their hood, <laughs> um, you know, and then hurled a bunch of obscenities, but that's the ex New Yorker in me, I guess. So, you know, it is a very serious thing. I don't mean to make light of, of you know, injury at all by people that have been hurt in, in being pedestrian. Cause it is, I think a lot of people don't realize and I'd be curious to know your own thoughts, Swatha and, and Connie as well. Uh, the confidence that people need to take in taking that, particularly for those that are newly blind, to build up the confidence to be walking independently with that cane for the first time. I remember when I went blind when I was 15, there was that real sense of fear when a, when a mobility instructor gave me a cane for the first time and said, go that way until you hit something and then mm. stop. And having, you know, it was one of those, controlled experiments, but I had no idea. And it's that, that fear of walking out and taking that first step as someone that's newly blind or visually impaired in your own lives. Have you felt that, or particularly with you, Connie, as well, with the people you work with as the president of uh, the association of the blind for South Dakota, SDAB, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard that experience a lot, or I've worked with people one-on-one that have that same sense of fear and how the cane in a sense is that liberating tool for those first steps they need to take as someone that's newly blind. It is, you know, and um, it's, it, it's very hard for a lot of people. You know, we have the, our rehab center for the blind, the training center here for South Dakota in Sioux Falls. Um, so we, everyone comes from other states also to come and get that training, but it's very hard. I mean, I think of my husband who is considered deaf blind. He is totally blind, had his, you know, both eyes removed has hearing impaired if he doesn't have his hearing aids in he doesn't hear well at all um even with his hearing aids he doesn't hear and so he doesn't travel as much as he used to and we live like in the center of town um but he does do well but i know that he doesn't have that confidence that he used to when he had a little bit of sight but when you totally lose that and you don't have the hearing it's scary and then you get into the rural areas. I have members who live in really small towns. I grew up in a really tiny, small town. And it's hard because the sidewalks aren't good or there's no sidewalks. And even here in Sioux Falls, which we have like 190,000 people um, and we're the largest city in the state, there's a lot of sidewalks. There's no sidewalks in a lot of places. So there's a sidewalk on one side of the street and not on the other. Um, so it's scary to be able to have to get out and try to figure out where is there a sidewalk or is the sidewalk going to be good enough to, to travel on, um, you know, we're a rural state. So I have worked with the O&M instructor, retired one, and he's come back to the state and retired again. Um, but we talked about how we could, or he has some ideas of helping the rural people, because you have to walk around along highways, you know, so imagine no sidewalks, walking on a highway, um, and just have the shoulder in a big ditch. So you don't ever know how big that ditch is going to be, because some ditches are deeper than others, and how you can get from one farm to the other. 
so he's you know he's has an idea and we need to get in contact with maybe you know a school or someone to come up with some beacons but that's really scary is to okay you're already out in the country or out in an area that you don't have good sidewalks or no sidewalks and then you take your cane and it's like you can't see or you can't see well at all and you don't have much for guidance you don't have much for you know anything to tap that cane against to know where you're at except that grass maybe on one side of you you're probably as well trying to manage whatever you know if you're carrying your groceries or other things and you've only got one hand and that's the cane hand and yeah yeah you you feel even more vulnerable that is a you you raise a real serious point that i mean we, we forget too that there are a lot of people in our community that are in rural parts of the country um, and, and it's even more important one to, to get the skills, the training that we need so that people can get out into the community so they can actually get up and get moving and get out. But also the, the, the awareness, do you find in, in terms of what kind of outreach or things that can be done, uh, in small towns, cause there's not going to have audible pedestrian signals, probably in a town where there's maybe only one person who's blind or visually impaired in that town. Um, it might be harder to advocate for that. What are some things that you all do in, in the smaller towns in terms of public awareness to let people know that these are people in our community uh, and we need to be cognizant if you see someone with a white cane on the side, literally, you know, feeling their way along the shoulder. You know, and it's, which is really nice about the Midwest. And, you know, I've always lived in the Midwest. So with the small, small towns, um, I think back about the town I grew up in and there's like 1300 now. Um, when I grew up, there was maybe 900, 1100 people, but there is a gentleman that, um, is older, that is visually impaired, walks with a cane. Um, there was myself and there was another gentleman a year older than me, but they, a lot of people knew in town at that time we had, I think one stop sign in town and there's two major highways that go through that town. Um, and then we had eventually a couple side stop signs. But people would kind of watch out for us. I had, you know, a little bit, bit better vision then. Um, the one gentleman that was really close in age didn't. But they try to watch out. They don't have, you know, even painted crosswalks very often. So um, it's really a matter of going to the town and to people and just visiting. And even here in Sioux Falls, I'm known for. Um, I'm on the pedestrian advisory committee, and I'm known for my big mouth, I guess I would say, but, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't even have um, auto pedestrian signals here very often. I mean, there's a few of them, but not very often, many, and I'm always arguing with them about getting more or getting them more accessible. And it's about training. A lot of it has to do with training. And I will have to say, being part of ACB and them knowing that I'm part of the board and part of the transportation committee, um, they have actually started listening more to me. So I think it's a lot of education. I think that it starts on the local level. Um, You find who you can talk to, who you can trust um, in the city, if it's a small city, if it's like the city planner, because a small city doesn't gonna have engineers and the planners and stuff you're going to have like the city council or the city commission 
maybe have one or two people and a mayor. So you go and talk to the mayor and you get to be friends with them and you visit with them and you educate them. And usually they're going to listen, and especially in the Midwest. If you're willing to work with them and educate them, um, you almost have a better chance. But they don't, the bad thing is that then they don't have the funding. They don't have the funding to fix the sidewalks. So they don't have the funding to put the APSs or the all the stop signs in that they need to do. That's the other hard thing is that the funding is so different in a small and rural area. It's a give and a tank, I guess, because, I mean, you know, Swatha, we had success in New York City with the accessible pedestrian signals that are, yeah. you know, not just the sound, but, you know, they vibrate and make, you know, other, you know, light flash and things like that, that are uh, for people with multiple sensory disabilities. We've had success there, right? Yeah, and, and you had, think yeah. a city like New York, where there's so many people and you get more numbers. Um, or Chicago, too. Or Chicago, where you grew up. Yeah. But mentioned those Tony and it's interesting you mentioned those because I mentioned those to the city of Sioux Falls in one of my meetings and they looked at me like all the engineers like what are you talking about we've never heard of those before yeah <laughs> but but at the same time that, that's kind of the the what you have to give up but what you get is real interesting in the small towns just that sense of community mm-hmm. and I think that's an important message for white cane day that it's not just about knowing what a white cane is but it's knowing the people in your community and exist, yeah. we are in your community and, you know, to, to give that, that support, not just for safety, but going back to your husband when you were talking about, because the deaf blind community, particularly uh, that's, that's, you know, even greater heightened sensory deprivation. Uh, and, and that, that has to be, you know, I imagine even more of a, how do you fuel that confidence? For someone in our deafblind community, like I've been to the National uh, Helen Keller National Center, where they do a lot of the training for the deafblind, it's it's so impressive. Uh, you know, I think of the fears I had, and then try to think how much I would have to amplify that for someone like what your husband's going through. Yeah. Um, when you take that first step to cross the street, right? When you step into the crosswalk, um, just a sense of safety and to know that there's a community that supports you, uh, that can help build the confidence, right? is you know and that's you know and everyone says that he's really a good train you know mobility person um but we were in an accident a few years ago um he was using his white cane and i was um you know guiding him and he now has and i have some apprehension but um he has really a lot of apprehension now that we cross the street especially when he hears cars waiting to turn because a car um turned and turned on top of us or turned on us and actually sat on top of me um i'm like very lucky to be alive today it came just seconds of beheading me um but the driver actually admitted that he saw us on the sidewalk we had the right away to go and he admitted to the police like well yeah i saw them but i thought i had time to go so i just took off yeah you know so now my husband he it's even a little bit harder for him to feel confident because of that fear that you hear that car and it's like, okay, is it, he's waiting, but are they really going to wait for me to cross or not cross, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. When, when I was hit last time, it was by a truck that was turning and just, he was too busy watching the van and wasn't watching to realize someone else was crossing that had the right of way, like you said. And, there, there is that sense of, um, and I imagine, I, I, you know, if you, if you wrestled with this, and this is something we, we need to think of as a community that's out there, 
And this talks about, um, you know, we talk about what confidence we can build and, and to get up and get moving the challenges we face, but the mental, the mental stress and anxiety mm-hmm. we often don't think about. And like, like I heard you kind of mention quietly PTSD. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, every time I cross this one intersection, my heart, I can feel it start racing. And I don't know if your husband has similar feelings or you have those similar feelings sometimes, but it's, um, it is, it, it there, there is a prolonged mental stress that can come with independence. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think people realize how much effort we take to get out into the community and the mental stress that can bring with it sometimes. No, and I think you're right. I think Swata's right. You know, because I, I mean, I couldn't even lay on the floor. I mean, for a short time, um, yeah. after the accidents and stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's times that I hesitate. I mean, it doesn't have to be the same intersection. It can be just as an intersection, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm safe to cross, and then I'm like, do I or don't I? Because then there's a car that starts to roll forward or something, and it's like, I, I just. I get so hesitant, you know, and like I said, I have fairly good sight to do it, but at the same time, we want to get out and get going, you know, get up and get moving. I love to walk. Um, I've always been an exercise person. I've always been a health care person, um, working in healthcare before the accident. Um, getting up and get going and moving is one of the best things. And and I've always said that for the people with, you know, with using a white cane is so important. And it's just any little walk. I mean, I have a member who walks, who lives on a very busy street, not far from me, but she, um, she's proud of herself when she can walk the four blocks up to one of the other streets and then back, which I think is awesome because she lives on a really hard, busy street. And if she can do that a couple times a day, back and forth I think it's awesome because it's at least getting up and moving and she feels better confidently she feels mentally that she's done something and it's helpful for her um, so I think any type of awareness so that way she is being seen on busy streets so she uses a cane she's totally blind it's all she's ever done so people at least see her out walking it, it is that it to force ourselves out of isolation sometimes it's it's not an easy thing to do but it's it's definitely a necessary thing to do which is why it's you know white cane day is important in a lot of ways and i'm glad you brought up just the need to get moving um because you know we mentioned earlier about the the get up and get moving uh, sort of celebration that's taking place today for awareness of, of being out in the community and being out there uh with the the get up and get moving dance party on white cane day october 15th today but it is in a lot of ways, you know, the, the, something that we need to do. It's too easy for people. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people have let their fears force them into that isolation and they stay on their couches. We, we talk about how there's, you know, s- roughly 60 to 70% of people are not employed in our blindness community. Yeah. And I, I'd be curious to know both of your thoughts, Swatha, you as well. You know, part of it is, yeah, opportunity in the workplace and jobs that are out there and transportation. But a large part of it too, is just people don't have the mental will to get up and get moving, but there, there's huge ramifications. If we don't live a physical active life, uh, we're forcing ourselves into another area that's dangerous as well. 
Yeah, exactly. The high rate of like diabetes and health conditions because of that and mm-hmm. health the complications. Um, yeah, it's a lot of like the anxiety and the um sort of fear that you no know, one's gonna like if you get hit once you're you're, you're you're not gonna cross that road again. You might cross a different road. Like you're gonna there's a fear of like just being out there and not being seen and not being like you're just not being um, understood as a blind person, what your needs are. Mm-hmm. And so there's that fear, there's also the anxiety of that comes with that. So. And, and, and not to say we need to go out there and be reckless and dangerous with our lives. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we can't let our fears, I guess, uh, relegate us to the couch for the rest of our lives. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, and I totally agree. I mean, and if you aren't healthy, you know, if you aren't getting up and off the couch and moving, then your health issues are going to increase. I mean, diabetes, you know, your heart, your cholesterol, your lungs, um, everything is going to increase. I mean, even chances of blood clots, you know, vascular disease. Mm-hmm. So, um, and your bodies weren't made to be sedentary. And I think that's what we all need to just remind ourselves. I mean, it's hard and some, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who, don't work, um, who would love to work, but they can't find the jobs or don't have the, can't find the qualified jobs that they want, or some of them are just scared to. I think some are scared to get out and about, you know, like Swatha, you know, and said, you know, and which is understandable, but again, that's our fear, that's our mental mentality. Um, but I think if we encourage, and I think that's the big thing with ACB, is the get up and get moving, you know, Facebook page, um, all the communication. Um, it was, you know, we, we, we did the get up and get moving Facebook page. And I, I will admit that was my husband's idea. Um, I w- we were going to do some training one day. I was going to help train some of the members on Facebook. And I was talking to my husband about what, what should we train and what, you know, what am I going to do? And he's the one who came up with that idea because, and he's not on Facebook. I am. And he's like, but that would be a good start. That would be a good community. And I'm like, it is. And I think it's a great thing because people share their stories um, and their ideas. And then you talk about, you know, getting up and it's just getting up and walking around the house. And we got, you know, Zelda did the challenge from North Dakota. Um, And I was joking with Jennifer Flatt about it's only two and a half hours to Omaha from Sioux Falls. So how many times can I walk around Omaha. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it's kind of fun just to challenge and even our local groups. I think it's the community, it's the support that we can talk to each other and encourage each other. Um, and it doesn't always have to be a lot at a time. It's just a matter of let's get up and move, you know, just move a little bit, walk around your house, walk up and down your steps, you know you know talking about dance party let's get outside and dance in the front yard you know backyard or whatever on your patio um but let people see us out and about and that's the big thing is that we just need to get out in the community if it's for work or if it's for social um you know i have some members who love to go to concerts so you know get out and go to concerts if that's what you love to do you know go there you know go to the parks wherever you want to go but just get out and be seen it doesn't yeah. we all have our talents and we all have our hobbies but we just have to get out and move 
and the more that we get out, then the communities, the people are going to see what we can do and what we can't do and the barriers. And that will help people understand what they can do to help us or improve things. My wife, who's an optometrist, had a CE the other week. And macular degeneration is one of the more common causes of blindness for older age adults, for seniors and elderly. And there's a type of AMD called wet AMD. And the study showed that if you walk one block a day, just one block, which isn't that much, you don't even need to cross the street for a lot of people. Just walk around the block. You know, if you have sidewalks, it makes a huge, huge reduction in the onset of that vision loss from the macular degeneration. If you have wet AMD, a type of wet AMD, and that's just one block a day. We know with diabetes, they say, if you can walk enough to keep your A1Cs under, walking is one of the best things you can do mm-hmm. to help manage your diabetes, just getting out and walking. Yeah. 95% of diabetic retinopathy can be uh, you know, quelled and stopped if people are just out there moving and keeping their A1Cs under control for people that, that have diabetes. So Connie, thank you so much for really bringing that message uh, to the importance of just moving and, and the value of it, and really for sharing your own story uh, and overcoming those fears yourself for wanting to get out and just be independent. Uh, exactly. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And I'm glad that you, you know, gave me the opportunity because I think personal stories are the most important for people to hear. You know, when I go out and advocate um, for whatever reason, I think people understand personal stories more than anything. Um, well. And we definitely want to hear other people's stories as well. So get involved with the Facebook community for Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Uh, is there a way to search for that, Connie, that folks can search for that uh, Facebook yeah, community? Just, um, I believe it's just ACB, go to um, Get Up and Get Moving, or ACB Get Up and Get Moving. Um, type it all out because you have to put ACB. Right. Other way yep. yeah. um, and then if you use, we recommend... Um, for social media, getting out there, put the hashtag AC, hashtag ACB, get, get moving. And um, we post that on everything that we can do for the. Yeah. And, and, and on White Cane Day, I think it's important to everybody tell your stories about being independent. Let people know that you're out in the community, that we are out there. Even during the coronavirus, uh, we're still here and we're going to be coming out more and more into the community. So we need to be seen. So if you're not able to do a white cane event in your town on white cane day, then do something on social media, ACB get moving is the hashtag, check out the community. Connie, thank you as always for yeah, taking thanks, time Connie. to share your own experiences and Swatha, as we all proudly say at the end of each podcast, keep advocating.